What? It wasn't even an apple tree. <laughs> I don't even know what tree it was. It was a nuclear chemistry tree. <laughs> All right, good evening. We're learning Maseches Chagiga, and we're going to be doing Chav Beza Mudbez and Daf Chav Gimel. We're going to push ahead, and on Shabbos, I already communicated with the office. Daf Yomi will be 45 minutes before Mincha for this Shabbos because we're only doing one blot. And right now, we are in the... In the wow, that's impressive. Um, and uh, we're in the middle of a sugya right now. We were learning yesterday uh, a somewhat sophisticated sugya about whether or not we're allowed to tovel one kli inside another kli as it relates to truma and as it relates to kodesh, a higher level, a higher level of food. So truma is a low level of food, relatively speaking. And kodesh, eating meat or preparing to eat meat uh, of a korban is a much loftier level. And our Mishnah had 11 chumras in it, 11 discussions in halacha that we were strict about tuma v'tara. And when it came to one kli being inside another kli, we said that that's only allowed for truma, but it's not allowed for Kodesh. And our Gemara, eight lines or so from the bottom of Chav Bezim Aleph, says as follows, If in fact we allow for one kli to be inside another, uh, for Truma, then maybe Taka, there will, will be some Tuma, and maybe I'm a, I'm a Chavar, but I might borrow something from an Amharet, She'ela, in which case, when I use that for Truma, it's going to cause for problems. So then, why, where do we see that this is a concern? So the Gemara says, this is based on a Mishnah, Ditnan. The Mishnah writes in regards to the halachos of Ohel and Tuma Vitara. So let's say that there is a, an Ohel. Let's say that there's a person who, God forbid, dies in a, in a particular building. And in there, uh, there are pottery containers. So the Pasuk and Chumash says that uh, if it's Ein Samid Pasil Alav, if it doesn't have a, a closure on top of it, an enclosure, then everything inside is going to become Tamid. But if, it's, if it is covered, if that pottery uh, vessel is covered, then everything is fine. So on this, there's a machlokas in the Tanoim. Klicheres matzil al hakol divrei beselo. Anything that's inside the pottery will be saved from Tuma. That's the sheet of Beselo. Beishamai says a very cryptic uh, response. And here's what he says. Beishamai omrim, that if you have a house in which there is a mace, and inside that house with the mace is a pottery uh, container, and it's sealed. So Beishamai says, no, it can only save food and drink and other klicheres that are inside, but it doesn't save anything else. That's very difficult. It's literally a pasuk and chumash, that if you have pottery that's closed and there's tumas ohel, everything inside should be fine. So what is Beishamai talking about? So Beishelel says, what are you talking about? How could you say that only some of the things inside the pottery are going to be okay and some are not? Why would you say that? So Amr Beishamai, they responded, because the kli itself was touched before it was, before it was closed. It was touched by an amharetz, and the kli is tahor. And the kli is not going to create a chatzitza. Um, and uh, that is a problem because then everything inside should be tame. So then the Gemara says back to Beishamai, what are you talking about? If the kli is not chotzitz and there's a dead, a dead person in the house, then everything should be tame. Says the Gemara, You said that the drinks and food that are inside this thing are going to be tahor. So in your own case, Beishamai, something doesn't make sense. You're saying the Kli is going to be Tameh because Nam has touched it. You're saying that because it's Tameh, so therefore it's Enochotet, it cannot separate from a maze to what's ever inside. Yet you said that the drinks are still fine. So that's not so simple. They said, When we said that you're allowed to eat or drink that which was inside, as we turn to the top of Chavbez, says the Gemara, that was that was only for the sake of the Amharetz, but you're not allowed to eat it. 
And then says the Gemara, you're going to take a Kli that belongs to him, and we're going to say that it's pure for you and for him. That's not possible. So this line is actually the line that we really needed, because this line where it says, means that I might use his container which means that there is Sheila. So we'll speak about this more, but that was already the point of the Gemara. And then the Gemara, in the name of Rabbi Yeshua, basically starts what would have been a verbal fist fight between Beishamai and Rabbi Yeshua. Tanya, I'm Rabbi Yeshua. You're embarrassing me. How can you say that you're saying something that makes no sense at all? Because why? Efshar, is it possible that a woman is kneading dough in a bowl and uh, and the woman and the bowl are going to be tummy for seven days with, with tumas meis, uvatsek tahor, but the dough, the dough is going to be tahor? How can that be? How can you have it be that the food inside that beaker, inside that earthenware vessel is going to be tahor? After all, it should be absolutely tame. And a similar uh, mushal to ask the question. Lugin, a lugin is a, a container that holds liquids. Lugin melo mashkin, you have this uh, canteen of some kind that holds liquid. Lugin tame tumashiva umashkin tahor. You're going to say the canteen is going to be tame, but the liquid is not. Beishamai, how can you say this? It doesn't make any sense. You can't have it be that this earthenware container is only going half seas on Tuma. Only Ochlin and Mashkin are going to be okay. But had it been something else, had it been a non-Cheres item, it would have been, it would have been Tame. It doesn't make any sense. So one of Beishamai's Talmidim uh, went, to the, went to the defense of Beishamai. One of the Talmidim of Beishamai went over to Yeshua and he said, Amar lo, Omer lach taim would you mind? Can I give you pshat? Let me explain to you where Beishama, don't get so angry. Let me tell you where Beishama is coming from. Amar Lo, Rabbi Yeshua says back to Emor, please explain Beishama. I'd love to hear. Amar Lo, here's what the Talmud said. We're eight lines down or so on Chav Beis, Amad Beis. Amar Lo, he's playing a little shock levitaria game with Rabbi Yeshua. He says, if you have a, a Kli that's Tamim, does it stop Tuma or does it not stop Tuma? So Rabbi Yeshua answers with what should be obvious. Amar Le, Good. So then the Talmud says back to him again, Kli shel am ha'aretz, tame o tahor. Is the vessel of an am ha'aretz tame or tahor? Well, we always assume that when we're dealing with truma, that we assume that the vessel of an am ha'aretz is going to be tahor, a tame. So amar le tame. He says it's going to be tame. Good. Then the student says back to Rabbi Yeshua as follows. ima ta'omer lo tame, klum You go over this guy, he's not so educated. By the way, uh, it's tame. Your, your whole kli is tame and everything inside of it is tame. Is he even going to listen to you? Think about how dynamic this is. Really, it's Tameh. But the Gemara is saying in the name of Beishamayim, you're talking to someone who isn't going to listen to you. When I was in Smicha, there was someone who came in to teach us how to paskin Shilas, the, the Mahalach of paskining Shilas. So he said that he does this with uh, everyone he uh, gives, a, gives a tough psak to. After he lays down the psak, he says, is this something that actually works for you? Is this something that you can do? Like, what do you mean? Is this something you can do? Because halacha is very dynamic. If you choose it, you're not going to keep halacha in the ideal way. You're better keeping it in a slightly less ideal way than breaking halacha outright. Lots of kulas. Halacha is very flexible. So here the Gemara says, we know that this guy, that this Amharitz is not going to listen to us. Not only that, if you tell him that something is Tameh, he's going to say to you, he's going to get upset and say, my stuff is Tahor and yours is not. And the Gemara says that when it comes to a Chaver, a Chaver is never going to take part in this food. And an Amharitz will take part in this food. So no harm, no foul. And therefore we're playing the psychology card. Beishamai, uh, Beishamai's Talmud explains the sheet of Beishamai. 
What was the response of Rabbi Yeshua hearing this explanation? He went and he prostrated himself all over the kever of Beishamai. He felt terrible. I have tortured your bones, Beishamai. I've said not nice things. It's not right. If the more difficult halachos are as beautiful and clear as the one that your Talmud just explained, the ones that should have been clear, all the more so they're beautiful. Now, we don't paskin like Beishamai. And even more sharply, we've already seen in the Gemara that that Beishamai is Eino Mishnah. It's not even count as Talmud Torah in, under, according to some versions of the Gemara, some understandings of that Gemara. Either way, Rabbi Yeshua says that this really is quite beautiful. And in fact, Rabbi Yeshua was so broken by what he had done by criticizing Beishamai, the Gemara says, Amru, Amru, they said about him, Kol Yomav, his whole life, his teeth became blackened, because he fasted so many times for the sake of his error with Beishamai. So then the Gemara says, this is a whole lengthy Gemara, and what were we trying to ask about? Remember what we started with. We were talking about whether or not we should be concerned about borrowing a kli from an Amharitz for Chuma. So the Gemara says a third of the way down, Ketani Mihas, the Ketani Mihas, remember that's our language. Ketani Mihas means we just learned something that is the crux of our question. What did we learn? We learned Lach Velo, that belongs to him, but both people use it. So therefore the Gemara says, Alma, Shalinan Minayu. We see that we do taka have people who might borrow, or you have a Chaver who might borrow from an Amharitz. Why aren't we concerned about that? So says the Gemara, the, the, a beautiful, simple answer to this question. When a Chaver borrows something from an Amharetz, we're not concerned about the Truma because if I borrow something from an Amharetz and I'm going to be using it for a Kadosh purpose such as Truma, I have to take it to the Mikvah. I have to make sure that it's Tahar. And I just have to assume that he's, a, that he's an Amharetz and it's going to be Tameh. So Ihachi, if that's true, says the Gemara, if j- we're just going to take it to the Mikvah, then why didn't Beishamai just say that? So then, Why didn't he say that? He couldn't say that because because in the case that Hillel was dealing with, there was Tumas Mace. And with Tumas Mace, you don't just take it to the mikvah. With Tumas Mace, you have to go, you have to have Haza, you have to have the sprinkling on day seven, uh, on day three and on day seven. Umana and a utensil, for seven days, lo mushle inche. People don't usually lend out their utensils for seven days. Now, that measurement of seven days was a standard in their time. They didn't have a lot of kalim. They had one, one or two or two pots. If you're rich, you had a couple of pots. So when we, for our weddings, for whatever, we got like a whole set. That's what most people have in their homes. And then they break, you buy more. Fine. We usually have a lot. So usually people didn't lend out something for a whole week. And because someone didn't lend something out for the whole week, and because Tumas Mesa is a week, it's day three and day seven of Tara. So therefore, he couldn't give that response. That brings us halfway down to An Chavbez Amud Bez. Says the Gemara Ve'atvila Lo The Gemara seems to imply that an Am Haaretz is not trusted in regards to whether or not he, he went to the mikvah or put something in the mikvah. Says the Gemara, that's not true. Tanya, the Brisa writes, That's very explicit. You made an implication that we don't trust an Am Haaretz as it relates to Tumas Mace, but the Brisa says we absolutely do. So Amar Abaye, he responds, Lo Kasha. Really, there's no difficulty in understanding how we trust an Am Haaretz. When it comes to his own goof, so then we trust an Amha'aretz to say that he's Tamemes. But when it comes to his Kalim, he is not trustworthy. So this is one of the things in Halacha that's really subtle and beautiful, which is that when we say, do we trust someone? So we have to split hairs. We trust you in area X, but not in area Y. We trust the Amha'aretz to say, I'm Tamemes by 
by his own goof, but we don't trust him to say that by Caleb. So you have to really know who you're talking about to get to go through the decision-making process. So that's what he says. And Rava Omar, Rava says, this is not a problem about the Amha'aretz, but for a different reason. Really, EDV, EDV, Caleb. Really, in both cases, we trust we trust him in regards to Tumas Mace, but when what is the Mishnah, what the Mishnah Mishnayas that conflict mean is that we're both talking about Kalim, the Lokasha. How do we answer up for uh, for the Amharat? Ha de Amar, in one case we have an Amharat who says, Lo hitbalti kli kli. I did not do one kli inside of another. There we trust him. I did. However, I did not do it in a very, very small tube, a, a, a tube that has just a one inch diameter, like we learned about yesterday. So there we don't trust him. And that's even more subtle. Rav is taking it even further. We trust him to say that I didn't do kli kli, but we don't trust him to say how big the mikvah is. Uh, unbelievable splitting of hairs here just to try and get down to how much we trust in Amharat. And by the way, it only applies in that generation. Our Amaratim are, come, we're really Amaratim. That was, these people were very educated, but we're like, we're all, we're all the way down. We wouldn't even, this, we, we don't even know these halachos to, to even know that we would make the distinctions. So the Gemara here is being very, very uh, subtle in its splitting of hairs. The Atanya, we have a brysa like this as well. We're two thirds of the way down. We trust in Amharat to say that the fruits were not wet and uh, they were not uh, they did not get wet but we don't trust him to say that they were in fact wet but I didn't make them tummy then says the Gemara one of the answers that we gave above uh, in the name of Abaye is that we do trust a guy uh, not a guy excuse me we do trust an Amharetz to say that he's tummy mace Says the Gemara, that's not true. Do we really believe in Vatanya? The Brisa writes, If you have a Chaver, someone who's a Ben Torah, not an Amaretz, and he needs Hazar to be get out of Tumas Meis, Mazan Alab Miyad. We don't even question him. You look at him, you ask him where he lives, where he daven to the Shul Rabbi is. Once you, do, once you discern he's not an Amaretz, you can do the Hazar right away. But Amaretz Shabbat Hazos, if you have an Amaretz, someone who's clearly uneducated in, in this level of nuance, so then Amaretz Shabbat Hazos ain't Mazan Alab Achiyase. Because we don't really trust his level of knowledge, we therefore require of him to wait a week before we do Haza, or at least wait till day three and day seven, but we don't do it miyat. So therefore, we see that we don't trust. We don't trust an Amharetz when he says that he's Tommy Mace. So therefore, the Gemara says, Ella, Amar Abaye, mitoch chomer sheikh marta la bitchilaso. Because when, the, when he shows up the first time and he says, I am the Amharetz shows up and says, I'm Tommy Mace. And then we say, oh, you have to wait till day three and seven. So because we because they know the halacha is so strict, we therefore are going to be mekel at the end of the count. He to Allah besofo. If he comes and says, today's my seventh day of Tuma, very specific answer, then we do trust the Amharats. That brings us to the two dots, about 15, 20 lines from the bottom of the page on Chavbez Mebez. Let's continue. We had said in our Mishnah, Achoraim Vitoch, that there uh, is the outside of a container and an inside. What does it mean, these different parts of the Kli? So the Gemara says, like the Mishnah says, If you have a Kli where the outside of a Kli became tame with liquid, then only the outside of the Kli is problematic. But Tocho, Ogno, Ozna, Vyadov, these four parts, the inside, the actual rim at the top of the of the kli. Ozno is the like the handle. The uh, is, well, it's actually a, a back part of the uh, of the kli. The yadav and the handle. Tahor and all of those are tahor. So ba- basically, if you touch the back of a kli and it becomes tummy, then only that is tummy. However, nitzma tocho. If the inside of a kli becomes tummy, then everything is tummy kulo tummy. So this is just a, a very small but 
but concise description of some of the halachos of Tuma by a Kli and its, and its various parts. Our Mishnah had also said that there was a part of the Kli called Ubesa Tzvita, my Besa Tzvita. So the Gemara says it's a machlokas in the Amorim. Amr Yehuda Shmuel, Makom Shetzovto, it's the place where you grasp the handle. Uh, it's, a, it's actually like in our mugs where you have the loop that you hold on to, that would be the Besa Tzvita. V'cheinu Omer, similarly, we have a Pasuk, and the Pasuk says uh, in, uh, in Sefer Rus, the story of Boaz, when he gave over grains to her, the Pasuk says, the Pasuk says, uh, kali, and he gave her uh, grains, roasted grains of some kind. So that's what Boaz gave to Rus, and that word Vayitzbat is kind of giving over, and she grabbed it with her hand, and that's how we know that it means that it's the handle. But Ravasi Omar Rav Yochanan, he says, no, it's makom hadas tsovin. It's a place where the nekie hadas, the people who were very nucky, were very clean, that they would dip their foods. They used to have some kind of attachment to their tray, like if they had a it's almost kind of like a place to dip their food. So let's say they were eating bread and there was oil, so they'd have a larger plate. And then there was an attachment, like a little bubble attachment onto the plate that they could put oil in. So they're eating and it's attached to the plate. So that seems to be, that seems to be what's going on here. Where it says that it's softo, that, uh, so that was the second answer of the Gemara, that it's not talking about a handle, but talking about a little attached cleat. Then the Gemara says, the two lines before the wide lines, on Chav Beis and the Beis, the Gemara says, Tani Rabbi Nachman, Kol HaKelim Ein Lahem Achorayim Betoch, Echad Mikdash, Echad And here, this is difficult. It doesn't fit with our Mishnah. We're going to ask about this. Here, Rabbi says in front of Rav Nachman, he says, when it comes to utensils, there's no difference between the outside and the inside which is strange because we just said there was a difference above, that from the outside, you're only matami the outside, but from the inside, you're matami the entire kli, all the parts of the kli. And as well, on the last short line, going to the first long line, it's true with kadshe mikdash and kadshe gvul. Now, kadshe gvul is a new language, one that we haven't seen yet, so the Gemara asks on it. Amar le kadshe ha-gvul what are we talking about? So says the Gemara, that's talking about truma. Says the Gemara, if it's talking about Truma, then your mom is going right against our Mishnah. Our Mishnah specifically said that when it comes to Truma, that these things all have different halachic, uh, different halachic approaches. If you only touch one part, then only one of those parts becomes tame. So how can you say that there is no difference between them? So says the Gemara, maybe you misunderstood the case. Dilma, maybe it wasn't actually talking about Truma. Perhaps it was talking about a case, it's talking about a different case altogether. And therefore, we don't have to say that it's talking about Truma. And in fact, if that's true, the Gemara says six lines from the bottom, Adkartan Milsa, this reminds me of something that was said in the name of De Amar Rabba Baravur. What did he say? He said, like our Mishnah, that Achas Esrei Milo Shanukan, we saw this Gemara yesterday, that there are 11 Chumras in the Mishnah that we saw in Dafir Ches, and Sheish Rishon was Ben Kodesh, Ben Kodesh. The first six apply to, to someone who is dealing with Kodesh directly, or for someone who treats Chulin like Kodesh. And Achronos, the last five, Lekodesh, Avalo Lechulin Shinaso Ataras HaKodesh, only applied to the first five. Uh, only apply to uh, the Achronos, only apply to, uh, to Kodesh, but not to Chulun Shinas Altarasa Kodesh. And then the next case in our Mishnah, a very strange case, we know that there's this thing called Tumas Medras. So Tumas Medras is where a Zav or a, or a Nida, they place, place their weight down on a mattress, on a chair, on anything that they set down. That thing also becomes a Tuma, just like the Nida. Now, it, what if you're carrying that thing? You're not stepping on it. What you, can you carry it at the same time that you carry truma? So what did our Mishnah say? In the two dots, that's right here, three lines from the bottom, Anosiasamedris. If I'm carrying something that has Tumas Medris on it, can I also carry Truma? So there the Mishnah said, No, Truma, you can. Avaloasakodesh. 
So let's say that I'm carrying a piece of paper or I'm carrying a, a garment, it has to be a, a clea of some kind. So I'm carrying right now a, a pillow. And Anida had pl placed her weight on here or sat on here, and the pillow is Tame Tumas Medrus. At the same time that I'm holding this, can I also hold Truma? Just walking. Can I do both of those things? Now, you can't transfer Tuma by touching them, but how strict are we going to be? So this is what the Mishnah says. I know Seasa Medris, no Seasa Truma. You are allowed to carry both. However, our Mishnah had said that when it comes to Kodesh, that you're not allowed. So says the Gemara, why not? Kodesh, my time alone. What is the reason why we're not allowed to carry something that's Tumas Medris and something that's Kodesh at the same time if the Tuma cannot transfer from one to the other? So says the Gemara, Mishum Maisa Shahaya. Simply because there was one story, one time, that raised concern, uh, that caused problems, I should say, when a person was carrying something that was Tame Tumas Medris at the same time he was carrying Kodesh. What was the case? So the Gemara says, two lines from the bottom, Damar of Yehud what was the case where, where a person was carrying Kodesh and that which, which they were holding, which was Tame Tumas Medris, caused a problem. So, There was a person who was transporting a barrel of, uh, of wine and he was carrying it from one place to another place. Top of Chav Gimel Amad and what happened? So what happened is as follows. He was uh, wearing, they were wearing sandals. Their sandals were kind of flat on the bottom with leather straps that tied to the top. And uh, one of his shoelaces tore. So he can't wear a shoe anymore. Shoes are useless, right? If you have a shoe that's only tie on the top with no actual, it's not like our shoes where the light laces break, you can still wear the shoes without laces. Okay, it's not tight, but you can still wear them. But there was no top to the shoe. So, it, so what did he do? Vinatla, he took it off. And he put it at the top of the barrel. And he was a zav. And therefore the shoes he's walking on are Tumas Medris. And the shoe dipped into the airspace of the wine. And it was Kodesh wine. And therefore the halacha is that he ruined all of that Kodesh wine. But also show at that time, because of this case, Amru, they said, That's what's going on in our Mishnah. The reason why we don't allow a person to carry something that's Tumas Medrash, that a Zav walked on, or that a Nida sat on, whatever it was, and something holy, you can't carry them both because of that one case where the shoelace dipped itself into the airspace of the barrel and was Metame all the wine. Says the Gemara, Ihachi Trumanami. If it's true that we can cause for a problem with Kodesh by the shoelace of the of the Tumas Medras by that hanging into the into the barrel, why wouldn't we have the same exact concern about Truma? Why would we only have the concern about Kodesh? So says the Gemara, Hamani. Who is our Mishnah like? Our Mishnah that only restricts Tumas Medras being carried with Kodesh and not with Truma. That is the Shita of Rav Hananya ben Akavyahi. What does Rav Hananya ben Akavya say? In another case, which we're going to learn right now, in another case, a rabbinic injunction was put into place, but only under those very specific circumstances. And just like in this case, we're about to learn that the injunction was only in place for that one perfect scenario, the same is true here. It only applies by Kodesh with the Maisa Shahaya that we saw. So if our Mishnah is like Rabbi, Rabbi Hananya ben Akavya, what was his case? Says the Gemara, six lines down, Chav Gimel Amidal. De Amar, what does he say? Lo asu The only restriction that he felt was applicable in this case was uh, and under the circumstances, as we'll see, by the Jordan River on a boat with what happened. Mayhi, what happened to Tanya? The Brisa writes, Lo yisa adam mechatas a person cannot carry 
the water that will be used for a chatas, along with the actual ashes that are used for a chatas, the yavirim biyardim besvina. They're not allowed to carry them uh, on the Jordan River on a boat. Very specific. And you can't stand on one side of the Jordan River and throw it to the other side. You also cannot go in a boat. You also can't carry these two items, the water for the mechatas and the ashes for the mechatas on an animal. No piggyback rides either. Halacha is that you have to uh, actually carry them with your own two feet on the ground. Important note, please God, Besamekdash will be rebuilt soon. We have to make sure that the ashes and the water are not carried on an animal. They have to be only carried on foot. That's the sheets of the Tanakama. Aval, there are some leniencies in the Tanakama, Ma'avirin al-Gabe Gesher ve'enochoshesh, even though technically a bridge is man-made and it's not actually earth, doesn't mean you can't walk on gravel because gravel is not the way God made the world. You can walk over a bridge, it's not a problem. That's the sheets of the Tanakama. He applied this idea more widely. He said that the restriction of mechatas and efrachatas applies everywhere. However, that was not the sheet of Rav Hananya ben Akavya. Rabbi Hananya ben Akavya Omer, he's similar to the author of our Mishnah. What does he say? Lo asu the Tanakama, you took it too far. The case that we were dealing with was a person who was on a boat on the Jordan River and he made a big mistake. What ended up happening was in this particular case, uh, we'll see soon what happened, that there was two, there's a Tumas Mesa on the boat and it was Matame everything. In that one case, in that isolated case on the Jordan River, in that boat, that's when there's a restriction. So we asked this question, why, why don't we say that we have the same problem uh, with Chuma as we do with Kodesh, that we should not be allowed to... Um, we should not be allowed to carry medras with chuma, just like we can't carry too much medras with kodesh. The Gemara says, conceptually, you're right. It should be the same concern, but we're only going to institute the rabbinic injunction by our case of carrying too much medras with kodesh, only by kodesh, because that's where the story happened with the barrel of wine. My, my, uh, sorry, last line there. Yes, Rabbi Hananya ben Akav Yomer, lo asr al-biyardin v'sfinuch ma'isashahay. What actually was metame the mechatas and eferchatas on that boat? My, ma'isashahay, what was he referring to? This guy's job was to make sure that he got the ashes from the chatas and the water and brought them to the Beis HaMikdash. So he had to take a boat and he got on a boat. And he saw, they found that there was a, a pound of flesh enough to be metame tumas meis. There was a part of a dead body stuck to the bottom of the boat. That's not good. And what ended up happening, it made everything on the boat tame, including the mechatas and the eferchatas. Right, end of story. So then we learned a very important halacha here. We asked the question, why is it that in regards to carrying something that's tame tumas medras, why did we say that you can carry this with chuma? Like you can carry it with chuma, but if this wasn't chuma and it was kodesh, that's not allowed. So we said, because something happened once with the barrel and with the shoe for the zav that was tame tumas medras. Why don't we apply it to Truma? Because we only applied in the case that, it, that we actually saw the concern. And we brought a raya from Rabbi Hananya ben Akavi. Now the Gemara is going to ask a couple of quick, uh, rapid questions, and then we'll get to the next sugya. The Gemara says, just about halfway down on Chav Kim what about Ibayaluhu? The case that we had was a sandal tame, where the guy was a zav, and therefore his shoe was tame to masmedras. What if he wasn't a zav? Sandal tahar mahu. What, would we still apply the, the rabbinic injunction here as well to say that you can't carry two mass measures with Kodesh? Yes or no? 
And also, chavis psucha, the wine barrel had a little bit of an opening at the top that the shoelace could get into. What if it was a chavis tuma? What if it was a sealed barrel? We don't answer these questions. And then the Gemara asks another question. What if taka you did? Avar venosa mahu. Let's say that you actually are holding that shoe, which is tame tumas medris, and you pick up kodesh. I know you shouldn't, but if you do, what's the problem? Did you actually cause a problem? So there, the Gemara says, uh, if in fact you did that, you have actually caused Tuma, albeit rabbinically. And no, it's just a precautionary measure. It doesn't mean that it's Tame. It just means that you need to be careful. And that brings us to the two dots. And we had said in our Mishnah, Kalim Hanigmarim Bitara, that um, if you have a Kli that is not yet made, you're in the middle of building it. So let's say that I'm uh, making this Kli. And let's say that it's not a Kli until I add. Uh, until I add the, the end here. I have to add the end cap. So before it's, a before it's there, it's not a cleat. It's a zero. You can't be metame. It's, it, it, there's, you can't make something tame that isn't a cleat, right? So therefore, if it's not made yet, then great. What if I finish making this bitara? So the Gemara says, by truma, it's fine to use, but by kodesh, you have to tovel it. So says the Gemara, digamrin human, who's the one who actually finished making the cleat? Now, if the kli was not yet made, there's no tuma. Once it's finished being made, now it's makabapatish, now it's a kli. Well, then it just depends who's the one who finished it. If the person who, was, who uh, finished making this kli was a chaver, was a from guy, why would he have to send it to the mikvah? After all, he's a tahor. It wasn't a kli to ever become tame, all is well. Says the Gemara, Ella, if you want to say, well, that's a bigger problem. You can't say, that the, the craftsman here was an Amharetz, because if that's true, then the language of our Mishnah has a terrible implication. Nigmarin bitara karilu. How can you say that an Amharetz, who is by definition Tameh, that he was the guy who finished the Kli? Because what did we call it in our Mishnah? Nigmarin bitahara. It can't be him. It has to be that it was our first guy, the Chavir. So it says the Gemara, you're absolutely right. Omar Rabba Barshila, Omar Rab Masna, Omar Shmuel. Really, what happened was that the craftsman who finished the utensil was a chaver, was a ben Torah. But uh, there was some spit from an am ha'aretz, and it got on this kli, and we're not sure about when it got there. When, when did there, was there some spit that, that landed on this uh, particular kli? If you want to say that this uh, Amharas was walking by and he spits out of his mouth, but it lands on this utensil before it's finished being made. Well, who cares if it's before it's finished being made? It's not a cleave. It's not a cleave until it's a cleave. It can't be metameyed. So then halab mono, it's still not a utensil. And Ella, if you want to say buster de gamre, if you want to say that the Amharas was walking by and he spit out right next to right next to this person as the cleave was finished, then mizhar zahir behu. We don't have to worry about that because the chaver who was the craftsman is going to be very, very careful about who's around him and he's not going to let it happen. So says the Gemara, really Olam. What, what ended up happening in this case was Mikame de Gamre. Really the spitting took place where the Amharis just wasn't paying attention. He just spit onto this, uh, onto this Kli before it was actually finished. The Dilma Be'idna de Gamre. And perhaps when the Chaver was finishing making this utensil, there was still moisture from the saliva from the Amharis and therefore it caused for tumor. The Gemara says that there's a subtle implication here from our Mishnah that Tvila in, that yes, we do need to take this item and put it in the mikvah in regards to Kodesh. That's what our Mishnah said. That if you're Gomer Akhlibitara, you still need to put it in the mikvah for uh, you have to put it in the mikvah for Kodesh for a very high level of food. 
So says the Gemara, that seems to imply you only need mikvah, but you don't need hair of Shemesh. Hair of Shemesh is a din by certain areas of halacha that when one or when something has to go into the mikvah, we don't assume that the purification process is complete until sun sets that night. Yet here it seems we don't need that. And Masnisan de Loki Rabbi Elazar. Rabbi Eliezer. Our Mishnah cannot be like Rabbi Eliezer. This is a long-winded argument. We'll see, this is going to take until the bottom of the page just to understand what this means that our Mishnah is not like Rabbi Eliezer. Here we go. It's not the Mishnah writes as follows. Let's say that a person is uh, from the ground. They're, they're, uh, they're, um, they're drawing out some type of um, material from the ground to make a container, some type of natural reed, whatever it is, to, uh, to hold the efer chatas or to hold the mechatas, something very holy. Now, Chatas was the highest level of Kedusha that we learned about in our Mishnah, Daf Yerches. Rabbi Eliezer Omer Yitzbol Miyad, he should, he, he should uh, send it to the mikvah right away. Rabbi Yeshua Omer Yitma Ve'achar Kachipo. Rabbi Yeshua says you should intentionally make it Tameh. We'll see why shortly. You should intentionally make it Tameh and then take it to the mikvah. Ve'havinan ba Who is the one who unearthed this reed? Who is the one who cut the reed from the ground to make this container for the chatas? And a similar dialogue as we had before. Ilema dechat chachaver. If the person who cut the reed from the ground was a ben Torah from Gai, why would Rabbi Eliezer say that there should be any tevil at all? But if you want to say the person who cut it was an Amha'aretz, in that case, where an Amha'aretz was the one who cuts the reed, Rabbi Yeshua can't say, let's intentionally make it Tameh. He's already Tameh. He's an Amha'aretz. Anything he touches is going to be Tameh, for sure. So that, that, that for sure doesn't make sense. We can't say that the person who cuts the reed to build the container to hold the chatas was an Amha'aretz. So if Amar Rabba Barshila, Amar Rab Masna, Amar Shmuel, the person who cut this reed out of the ground, must have been a chaver. And for the same thing, because the Amharat spit on the side of the ground and it happened to land on this particular container. When did he spit? When did it land on the container? If you want to say that he spit on this before it was cut, before the reed was cut from the ground, nothing that's attached to the ground could ever become tame. It's mechubar lekarka, and there is no tuma in that case. That's still not a vessel, and it's not subject to tuma. It must be If you want to say that he spit on the uh, on the reed container after it was cut, that's not possible because the chaver who was cutting it, that person is going to be super careful that no one should make it tummy. So therefore, says the Gemara, you're right. Really, the, the spit was from the Amha'aretz, landed on the reed before it was cut from the ground. And Dilman, perhaps, at the time that it was cut and actually made into a vessel, Adayin Lachahi. It was still going to be moist. Now, here's where the Gemara comes up with our uh, with the statement that we don't understand how Rabbi Eliezer could agree with our Mishnah. Bishlamala Rabbi Yoshua. I remember remember our question. We said that it seems that we don't need hair of Shemesh, that we don't need to wait until nighttime. So Bishlamala Rabbi Yoshua, last short line on Chavkim Alamad Aleph. I understand according to Rabbi Yoshua, who says that we are intentionally metame this item before we're tovalit, because Hainu because his approach. His approach caused for a very clear message to the tzedukim that they did not understand the halacha properly. What is this referring to? So the first long line, three, four lines from the bottom, it's not. Metam and hayu es hakoin hasorif es apara, shel tzedukim. They used to intentionally make uh, make something, uh, someone tame. Shayu omrim, because they used to say, the tzedukim used to say, b'me'orve shemesh haysanases. The tzedukim used to say that hair of Shemesh was a requirement on this particular circumstance, and they were incorrect. 
So what the Chachamim would do is they were Matanehim and then they'd throw him in the mikra. Great, because that way you can undo your concern about the Tzdukim. Elo the Rabbi Eliezer, but according to Rabbi Eliezer, it doesn't make sense. If you say that, yes, you really need hair of Shemesh, then fine, I could understand that you need to separate, you need to make him tame for some reason so that you can highlight that the Tzedukim were wrong. But if in general you hold that there's no hair of Shemesh, then how then would he fit with the Mishnah where we had to intentionally ensure that we were working to disprove the Tzedukim. The Tzedukim held that Herav Shemesh was a requirement. It can't be the Rabbi Eliezer held that there was actually Herav Shemesh required. So here we're going to see three answers. Omar Rav, Rav says, Chav Gimel Amad Beis at the top, Asa Uha Kitmei We actually treated this particular case like a Tamei Sheretz, which is a Rishon the Tuma and cannot cause Tuma for other things. So says the Gemara, if it cannot cause Tuma for other things, Elameyata, Lo Sitma Adam, it shouldn't make a person uh, it shouldn't make a person tameh at all. And if that's true, why then do we say that the person who cuts the reed has to go to the mikvah? So therefore, the Gemara goes to answer too. We therefore look at this case like one who is tameh mace. So says the Gemara, tameh mace, that's much, that's a weak process. That doesn't make sense. Why then what does the Bryce write? That this person goes to the mikvah. Seemingly, he goes to the mikvah right away. So it can't be that our case is talking about a similarity to Tumas Mace. Ella says the Gemara for the third and final answer, and we're going to stop at the two dots and about five or six lines halfway down. Ella says the Gemara, We treat this case like someone who's on their seventh day of Tumas Mace. How can you say that? This halacha was all learned out from Para Aduma. And the Gemara says, Para Aduma is a chiddush, and in the Chavo al-Chidusha, you're not allowed to extract any new halachos at all from it. Summer Abaye, no. When did we say that by Para Aduma, that the halachos are very limited and you cannot learn new things? Summer Abaye, Shalom Amru Kordom, that a spade, which is used to uh, poke into the ground, Metame Moshav, Kiditanya. The Brysa writes as follows a person who sits on a kli. Yachal kafa sa'a, he turned over a vessel that holds a sub, yashavaleha, or a tarkab, which is half of a sub, yashavaleha, yehe tame. Maybe if a person is tame and they sit on this, it becomes tame. No. The only things that become that can become tame under these circumstances is one who is uh, sitting on something that's meant to be sat upon. To exclude the garden tools like the spade, like the cordon that we saw earlier. Get up, you're sitting on this tool. I'm supposed to use it. We, we do not assume that Tuma can transfer there. So that is what the Gemara has to say about many of the cases in our Mishnah, seeing this higher level of uh, sanctity and sensitivity and Halacha for Kodesh, unlike Truma, we'll stop right here. On Shabbos, we'll pick up at the middle of Chav Gimel and learn the and learn all of Dat Chav Wishing you all a beautiful night. Thank you.